Uh, this could get awkward, but I need to ask you something. Was that an awkward pause? <laughs> hey, it's Pastor Mike. Uh, I'm going to just get right to it. Did you know that Time of Grace is 100% donor-funded? That means that it's really only through your gifts that it's possible for us to use television and print and digital media to share the really good news of God's amazing grace. So, can I ask for your continual support so we can keep on making these podcasts and videos and books, all these resources to help people know Jesus and the eternal life that only he offers? If you're moved by the Spirit, I invite you to click on the link in the episode notes. Thank you so much, and God bless. So what responsibilities are you running away from? We all do it. We all have that friction, that pain that happens in our mind. I should be doing this. And we find excuse after excuse to run away. You know who knows what that's like? Jonah. Jonah in the Bible, the the guy that almost everybody knows about, even if it's an unbeliever. Most people know about this story. Jonah, the guy who defied God, had a responsibility, go this way, and he runs that way. God sends a big storm into his life, and then all of a sudden, a big fish swallows him up. That guy, Jonah, oh, he knows a thing or two to teach us about avoiding responsibility in in God's response. And although you probably know the story of Jonah, you might not know it from the angle we're going to talk about today. See, here's the deal. People love to make Jonah all about a big fish. And it's really not. A a tiny little portion of this book is actually about that big fish. This story is all about big forgiveness. And couldn't you use just a little bit more, maybe a lot more of that in your life? So let's, let's look at Jonah. Let's study this incredible but pretty short book this week. And we're going to start by doing this. The story of Jonah actually starts 500 so miles away from where Jonah's living in God's promised land in the region, the area of Israel. It started 500 miles away in this massive city known as Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was huge. It was a three-day journey to get from one side to the other. That's what the book of Jonah actually tells us. Chapter 3 says that. Now, even more impressive than its size was its sin. You see, Nineveh would have made the back alleys of Las Vegas blush. Nineveh would have been more bloodly and deadly than the worst, worst uh, gang-ruled areas of Chicago. Naaman, uh, the book Naaman, actually says that Nineveh is a city that is full of blood and lies. It's a horrible, horrible place. Its, Its essence was evil. So here's Jonah hanging out, and God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh to preach against that city in the hope that they'll repent because, again, God wants to bring big forgiveness. Now, Jonah's average Joe believer. He doesn't have um, a seminary degree behind his name to know how to confront and talk to people, to speak in front of large groups. Jonah hasn't lived in an apprenticeship lifestyle like Elisha did to Elisha. Um, excuse me, Elisha did from Elijah. And Jonah didn't have a psychic helper like Moses did with his brother Aaron. Aaron spoke. God just says, Jonah, buddy, you got to go to Nineveh and to preach against it. And Jonah says, no, I'm not going to go. Jonah, instead of going right, he goes left. He goes down to the biggest port he can find and says, one ticket to not Nineveh, please. And he 
takes off. Now, as he's going, Jonah's got to be thinking. His soul, his conscience has got to be screaming out, I shouldn't be doing this. When he takes that first step of defiance against God, his soul must be crying out, I shouldn't be doing this. As he buys a ticket to go to Tarshish, 2,000 miles in the wrong direction, he must have been screaming inside of himself, I shouldn't be doing this. But he did it anyway. Where has it happened for you in your life? Where have you, you known what you're doing or about to do or continue to do is wrong, and yet you still continue to do it? And, and the crazy thing is, when you look at Jonah, 500 miles to go to Nineveh, or he goes 2,000 miles this way, it's always more difficult to fight against God than to do what God says. It's always more effort to keep all the lies straight that you have to do to avoid responsibility than to just do the responsibility. It's always way more difficult to do wrong than to do what's right. So why then is it that we don't just do what's right? Well, when Jonah didn't do what was right, when he didn't act the way that he needed to act, then God acted. God acted in an amazing way to come after Jonah. In the rest of the videos this week, I'm going to show you how God brought big forgiveness to Jonah. And in tomorrow's lesson, we're going to see how this big, massive storm is brewing because Jonah won't repent. I'm telling you right now, whatever it is that's hit your heart when I brought up what responsibility are you avoiding, it's time for you to do what Jonah didn't do, to confess. To say, God, I'm sorry, and God, I have failed you, and God, I have not done what you've wanted me to do. And when you do that, when you confess to God, God forgives you. He brings that big, beautiful forgiveness to you. Don't, don't do it the hard way. Don't do it the hard way that you're going to hear about Jonah tomorrow. Confess, be forgiven, and see the power of God's love. Otherwise, you're going to do it the hard way. And you'll see what that looks like tomorrow. So right now, live in peace, live in joy. Come back and I'll tell you more about this amazing story of Jonah. It's not about a big fish. It's about big forgiveness. So when we left Jonah yesterday, he packed his bags, he went down to a port, and he was planning on running, defying God, going the exact opposite way. He was supposed to go to Nineveh, this, this big, massive city, and to preach against it so that there might have repentance and that big forgiveness. Now Jonah needed the same thing for himself. He needed to be confronted by God because Jonah was running. And here's the problem. Jonah forgot one very important thing when it came to his big plan of defiance and running away from God. You can't outrun, outrun God. You just can't. God who made the world, who created absolutely everything, is everywhere, knows everything. You can't outrun God. God who made the seas and the trees, who made the mountains and the fountains, who made the plains and whatever rhymes with plains. I, when I'm writing this thing, I'm trying to find one word of what God created that rhymes with plains and I couldn't figure it out and I refused to take it out of the devotion. So if you could actually help me in the comments and tell me something that rhymes with plains, um, and you can't say trains, we humans made those, uh, something that rhymes with plains, but you get the point. 
God made everything and he's everywhere. And so you absolutely can't outrun him. But yet Jonah tried. We, we have this message for us in the book of Jeremiah. God says this. He warns us never to run. Can anyone hide in secret places that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. It makes no difference if you and I try to run. God is always there, not to destroy us, but to restore us. The problem is God's still got to call us back. So Jonah's running away. And so God's going to try to stop him from this act of defiance. The really bad thing, though, is this. When we run from God, and you know this, there's, there's times in your life, maybe a lot of times, that you've run from God. You've done what you're not supposed to do. And when God confronts us and God goes after us, and we, when we have consequences for our sin, sin rarely only affects the person who did the sin. There's this collateral damage thing that happens, like an atomic bomb going off, and then other people get affected by our sin. And the, the two biggest groups that get affected, number one is your immediate family. They get the brunt of your anger. They get the brunt of your escapism through alcohol or through drugs or through laziness or whatever it happens to be, short temper. And the other group is complete random strangers. That, that poor guy who cut you off on the roadway and you blast and yell and scream and honk and you hurt them. When we sin, when we run from God, we put others in danger. That's what happened with Jonah. When God goes after Jonah to stop him, he's in a boat, remember, so God sends a, a massive storm. And wave after wave after wave is coming against this boat and these experienced sailors all know we're going to die. If, if this storm doesn't stop and it's only growing, we are going to die. They're chucking their cargo out of the boat. They're throwing their livelihood away, doing anything they can to save themselves. But it wasn't until the weight of just one single man, Jonah, was thrown out of the boat that finally the storm would relent. And see, Jonah finally goes from defiance to acceptance. Full acceptance of the responsibility of what he did wrong. And so if we turn back into the Jonah, we're in chapter 1, he says this. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Jonah doesn't make excuses. He finally just accepts the responsibility of what he did. What storm is God sending into your life? God lovingly, lovingly sends storms against us. And that almost seems contradictory, doesn't it? Like, why would God lovingly send storms? How is that loving? Well, what if he didn't? What, what if God didn't send that storm against Jonah? He had to sail away from God and keep going until he went into unbelief. That's unloving. So God lovingly confronted him. God lovingly confronts you and me. And the thing is, we just get so used to the consequences of our sin as opposed to just confessing our sin. So where is that in your life? Where have you just gotten okay with your anger? Okay with your resentment? Okay with the broken relationships? Okay with whatever it is? And you've stopped listening to what God's doing. You've stopped responding to what God's doing. God is... God is not going after you to destroy you. He's not. God is going after you to restore you, to get you to be like Jonah and to have a 
acceptance and say, God, I accept what I've done wrong. It is 100% my fault. And again, when you and I make that confession, God brings what this whole story is about. He brings big forgiveness. That storm wasn't going to stop until Jonah hit the water, a sacrifice in the minds of those sailors of throwing him out. Now, come back tomorrow. I'll tell you how Jonah doesn't die, and it's a, it's a whale of a tale. But another sacrifice had to happen so that you could be forgiven when you have acceptance of your wrong. And that person, oh, he did die. A true sacrifice in Jesus who came into this world and went into the depths of hell so that you could be freed, so that you are free, so that you are forgiven. And when you live that forgiveness, guess what? Those two groups that you hurt so much before by sin all of a sudden see the difference. Your family members, those near and dear and close to you, they they see peace in you. They see love pouring out of you. They see a difference in you person who cuts you off in traffic, you're going to have to try to stop it yet. But you're not going to be as quick to lash out in anger. Why? Because when God brings big forgiveness, he brings a big difference. Come back tomorrow. I want to tell you all about, yes, the big fish. It's tomorrow. Come back. I'll give you more details on it. But until then, just know this, that God loves you and he's coming after you, not to destroy you, but always to restore you. All right, so let's recap this story of Jonah, hopefully in 10 seconds or less. So Jonah is told by God, go to Nineveh, and Jonah says no, goes to Tarshish, 2,000 miles away. God sends a massive storm, almost breaks up the ship, and they throw, the sailors throw Jonah into the water, and we left him yesterday about to drown. That is not a good place to leave him. He hits the water, and he's going to sink on down. Now, How long can you hold your breath underwater? For me, I I haven't tested it, but I don't think it's very good. Um, I did a little bit of research to find out the longest anyone on record has held their breath underwater without going unconscious. Are you ready for this? 22 minutes. Someone lasted 22, without dying, 22 minutes. The average is about two minutes. That's about it. Yes, you can pause the video right now if you want to. Uh, you maybe are curious, so you'll get your macho-ness and see how, how long it will uh, take you or to last to hold your breath. So I'll wait. Waiting. Are you back? I hope you're back. So if you did it, I, I really want to see how, how long did it take you? How, how long could you hold your breath underwater? Again, the, the average is about two minutes. That's a short time. Think about that. Jonah hits the water. And he goes under and he has about two minutes, if that, that he is conscious before he's going to drown. That means that, that God's got to act. God's got to have a plan. And it's exactly what God does. God knew what was coming. God was going after Jonah again, not to destroy him, but to restore him. Jonah uh, gets swallowed up by this massive fish. And this is the one thing that people know about when it comes to the story of, of Jonah. But the Lord provided a great fish. It doesn't say necessarily a whale, but a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, let me tell you, there has been so much ink wasted trying to disprove what you just heard. That people say, well, this is impossible. This could never have happened. 
And they ask some good questions. You know, they ask, is there a fish large enough that could actually swallow a human being whole? And there are. There's some big fish that are out there in the ocean that seem like they could do it. Um, but then the other big thing is, well, how did he breathe? If he's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, he's in the stomach area, um, how did Jonah breathe? And I don't have a great answer for that one. Besides this, it's a miracle. A miracle defies logic. It defies the natural means of things. So why would you have a problem with this miracle when we have the Bible full of God doing what God does, bringing miracles? We have the accounts of Moa, uh, Mo, excuse me, Moa, uh, Noses, uh, Noses. I'm doing really well. We have the account of, of Moses uh, and the, the miracle that ended up happening with him. Many of them as he uh, throw, uh, pulls up his staff over the water and the Red Sea splits apart. They walk through on dry ground. He, he takes that staff and hits a rock. Water comes pouring out. We've got the miracle that happened with Elijah when a fireball comes down from heaven and burns up a sacrifice and, and licks up water. Water normally puts out fire, but in this instance, again, defying the laws of nature, the fire laps up and takes care of the water. You've got all the miracles that happen with Jesus of giving sight to the blind and, and healing leprosy and raising the dead and, and Jesus himself being raised from the dead. So I truly believe that this miracle is like any other miracle in the Bible. It's just God being God. God who is outside of this creation having control over this creation. But don't take my word for it. I mean, who am I? Um, take Jesus. Jesus himself, he actually uses this miracle that happened with Jonah being swallowed up by this great fish as an illustration of what Jesus did for you. So Jesus says this, we're in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 40, it says this. Jesus said this, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus believed this miracle to be true because he saw it, he helped make it happen, and he used this as an example of what God did for you. God has done incredible things, amazing, amazing things. And he did that for Jonah. He did it for you. Now, here's the big truth I want you to take out of this account. Remember, we're talking about big forgiveness here. And that's exactly what God did for Jonah. Treated him far better than he deserved. He was rescued. Rescued from sinking down into death. But he was still responsible. That's the truth for you today. When we confess our sin to God and say, God, please forgive me and God, heal me and God, help me. He does. He completely forgives you from the power of Jesus destroying death, from the power of Jesus destroying the power of, of sin over your life. He heals you spiritually, but we're still responsible physically, emotionally for the consequences of our sins. So think about that, right? Jonah hits the water, big fish swallows him, but then he's three days in that version of a hell going back to the shoreline because God needed to get him to where he needed to be. He was, Jonah was responsible for still going through this. Now, this is not a precious moments 
thing going on here. We have that uh, mindset that Joan is in the whale and he's sitting down, his little living room set up, his little spot of tea while he's in there. I mean, no, this is, this is horrible. He's being digested by a fish. He's in stomach bile that entire time. It's pitch black. He's crushed in by every side. Water keeps coming in. So for three days, he's probably not sleeping. He's sleep deprived on top of everything else. It smells awful inside of that. And then after three days, he's vomited onto the shore. Yes, that is what the Bible says. He's vomited onto the shore. We are responsible for going through getting back to where we need to be. And so are you. You 100% are. All of us are. But you don't do that alone. God was there with Jonah, going with him. God was helping him by sending him this fish. God was getting him to where he needed to be. And God will do, God will do the same thing for you. But it's going to take some effort. If in the sin that you've done in your life that you have confessed of, but in doing that sin beforehand, you've ruined some relationships with others, well, it's going to take some time to repair that trust factor there. If you've hurt your body by abuse of alcohol or abused your body by um, your food intake and you put on weight that you don't want to be there, it's going to take a while for that to go away. We have responsibility for our sins, the consequences that are there. But friends, you're not alone. A hundred percent, you're not alone. God says this. He goes, never, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So God is always there with you. So when you and I confess and say, God, I've done wrong, and we go, now I need to come here. God's not way over there. He's right here with you. He will guide you, strengthen you, help you, and lead you to where you need to be. So where are you? Are you on this pathway and, and, and feeling like it's not worth it? It is. Are you over here facing the wrong way and you continue to run away and you haven't repented and you're scared of repenting? Repent and know that God is with you no matter what. God will guide you, God will strengthen you, and God will love you. Why? Because God's creation and you the crown of his creation is one of his greatest loves, his greatest love. He will never let you down. So trust him, rely on him, and see his big forgiveness coming for you. People love, they just absolutely love to make the entire book of Jonah about that big fish. And it's not, it's all about big forgiveness. And I've been showing you that throughout these videos so far. We've seen big forgiveness in how God treated the other sailors on the ship with Jonah. Easily, God could have that ship go down, but he didn't. He miraculously calmed that storm and all those sailors that were there gave praise to God. God brought them into an understanding of his power. There was big forgiveness there. There's big forgiveness in how God treated Jonah. That even though Jonah defied God and God had every right to destroy him for that, God went after him to restore him. And he sent that big fish that swallowed up Jonah. And I mentioned yesterday how that fish vomited him back up on the, on the shoreline. Yes, that's exactly the word the Bible uses. It vomited him up on the shore. And, and basically now, God has pushed the reset button. He showed big forgiveness to Jonah, big forgiveness to those sailors. And now God is refocusing, once again, Jonah on Nineveh so that God can bring you guessed it, 
big forgiveness to them. The problem is Jonah still doesn't want to do it. He doesn't. He, he's refocused, but he's resistant. Resistant of going, but he knows he can't fight against God. And so Jonah makes the trip, the 500-so-mile trip up to Nineveh, gets in the city and spends an entire day preaching and proclaiming, if you don't repent, Nineveh, if you don't change, God's going to bring it. He's going to bring his destruction down on you. And what's incredible is that everyone in the city, from the oldest to the youngest, from the richest to the poorest, to those who are lifelong Ninevites, to those who just moved there, they all confessed their sins. They all repented of what they had done wrong. And it's, it's amazing. It's a, another miracle that happens. And it makes you wonder, how did that happen? Did, did God pre-plan this out and, and send maybe another missionary into Nineveh and he planted the seed of God's word and um, Jonah goes and waters it and then God made it grow. Maybe there was a, a massive drought that ended up happening or a calamity that happened and it kind of prepared their hearts and now Jonah worked on that and God worked the miracle. Was Jonah's skin discolored from three days of being in that stomach bile of the fish and they heard his story and the power of God and and God used that to move hearts? We don't know. But we know that God worked that miracle of repentance. And then God did this. We hear this in, in Jonah chapter 3. When God saw what they did, and what they did is everyone inside the city put on sackcloth. They wouldn't eat. They wouldn't drink, praying, hoping that God would relent. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion. And did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Decades and decades of defiance from these people. Decades and decades of disobedience from these people. And yet God, as soon as they repented, he forgave them. I mean, that, is, that is big, huge, God-sized forgiveness that's there. It's, it's incredible. And that's, that's the God that you love. That's the God that you serve. And even greater, that's the God who loves you, who provides big forgiveness to you. It doesn't matter how big your sin is. Your Savior is bigger and he's stronger. The sad part is, though, Jonah didn't see this as a good thing. His heart was not in the right place at this. When he saw that God was going to change and that God was going to bring big forgiveness, we read this now. This is chapter 4. But Jonah was greatly displeased became angry, angry, angry that God would show forgiveness. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to, to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. This is good. Slow to anger and abounding in love. Again, this is good. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah is so upset that God would give to the people of Nineveh the same big forgiveness that God gave to Jonah. Jonah had this out of whack, wrong in his mind. But let's actually try to put ourselves into Jonah's place here for a second. Doesn't that sometimes happen for us too? 
We go, why would God treat the, the super faithful, the super dedicated Christian believer their entire life the exact same as this person who defied God their entire life? I think about that a little bit. Uh, this week, at the recording of this video, it's vacation Bible school week for my kids. So we pick them up from VBS and they're singing Jesus songs in the car and they're um, putting on their doors of their bedroom all their G Jesus VBS crafts and they're just living joy and living love. And if we're driving down the road and we see an ambulance go by or a big accident, my, my daughters, my little daughters will pray in the van and say, Jesus, please heal this person, help them. And God's going to give my daughters the same exact big forgiveness that he's going to give to a murderous rapist. Hmm. Now we're thinking like Jonah. Or you've got your, your grandma. And maybe you have a sweet, beautiful, loving grandma who just loves Jesus and is in church all the time and is her Bible and she just speaks words of Christ's love into your heart and into your life. And God's going to give the same big forgiveness over to her as God is going to give this whole wicked, wicked city of Nineveh or the worst parts of this world that defy God. And if they repent... God gives that big forgiveness. Sometimes we slip in and be like Jonah, and I have totally done it too. I have done it too. And we have this thing in our mind that it's, it's as if God is lessening or devaluing his grace if he'll give it freely to everybody. He's not. In fact, in fact, that shows just how powerful, just how long-lasting, just how far-reaching just how universal God's grace is. And God gives freely to you and freely to everyone else the same truth. When you love Christ, when you confess your sins, God will rescue and God will come in and God will bring you big forgiveness. Jonah had it wrong. We have it wrong sometimes in our lives. When God gives grace to all who trust in Christ, it doesn't devalue his grace. It shows the power of his grace grace that he's given to you. You did it. You made it to the last video here on the book of Jonah. And Jonah's still complaining. That's where we left him off. He was complaining that God would show this big forgiveness to the city of Nineveh. He go, has gone through the city. He's preached. He's proclaimed. He knows that God says he's going to relent, that God's not going to bring this big judgment on the city. But what Jonah does is kind of crazy. He goes up to the side, east of the city, and he goes on this little hill part. Um, and he's overlooking the city, makes a little shelter for himself so that he can watch. Because he's still hoping. He's hoping that God is going to relent on his relenting. He's hoping that God is going to change his mind and just blast this city. And Jonah wants to see it for himself. So he's sitting there and he's waiting. And then all of a sudden, God brings another miracle. Another miracle inside of the book of Jonah. This huge leafy plant, the Bible says, grows up overnight and it makes this, this canopy over the top of Jonah. Remember, hot Middle Eastern sun. Um, no shade that's there. There's not a lot of plants that are out there. And so this plant grows up overnight and provides shade, provides comfort. And the Bible says that Jonah loved the plant and he was beautifully thankful for the plant. And as quickly as it came, it went. The next day, God provided a big worm. And that worm ate into the base of this huge leafy plant. And when the sun came up the next day, it killed the plant and it withered and died. 
And Jonah is furious. I mean, just furious is what's going on. And so let me read this, this part to you here. Uh, Jonah's response to this leafy plant leaving is this. Yeah, it would be better for me to die than to live. And, and God says to Jonah, do you have the right to be angry about that vine? And Jonah says, I do. I am angry enough to die. Uh, clearly, Jonah's heart is not in the right place right here. He's way more focused on himself, way more focused on his needs and his wants than all these other people. And God blessed him and then took it away because that's what happens in this world. Things come, things go. This world is a temporary place. This is a test that God gave to Jonah. And clearly, Jonah's failing on this. And then verse 10, the Lord said to Jonah, he's talking to Jonah, you have been concerned about this vine. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people. Should I, God's talking here, should I not be concerned about that great city? That's how the book ends. That's how Jonah ends. God, God says, uh, Jonah, come on, man. You, you have got your focus completely out of whack. It is all focused on you. And God says, I'm focused on you too. Jonah, I have shown you big forgiveness, but God wants to give that love, that grace to all. Jonah had the purpose of life completely wrong. Do you know what that is? Do you know what the purpose of life is? You can stop reading all those self-help books and try to figure it out. Here it is. Are you ready? The purpose of life is to get to the eternal life with God in heaven and have as many people as possible come with you. God gave Jonah an amazing opportunity to proclaim that gospel message to a city of 120,000 people. Jonah should have been celebrating on top of celebrating the purpose that God gave it to him. But Jonah was focused right here, right on himself. You and I get that messed up too, too often in our lives. How's my job going? How's my career going um, and the advancement? Not just the job I do, but where do I want to go? How's my family? How's my vacation? How big is my house? How fancy is my car? How great are my vacations? We focus so much here when that is not the purpose of this life. But to get to be with Jesus and have as many people come with you as possible. There's a phrase I want to teach you as I close this video down. It is a phrase that I echo over and over and over again Inside of the classroom, I, I teach seniors now for a living, a religion class. And there's a phrase that they know so well, and it's a phrase I want you to know because it changes everything. God's default setting is grace. You see that all throughout the book of Jonah and how God brought big forgiveness to everyone that was there. And God brings big forgiveness to you. God who wants all to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth, that means one thing. God's default setting is grace. Now, that doesn't mean you can use that grace against him. That doesn't mean that that means you can sin big sin and then just, well, God will have to forgive you. Don't use God's grace against him. God won't allow it. But God wants you. God loves you. In God's default setting, send Christ for you. And he has. So live in that grace. Don't focus on self 
focus on Jesus, focus on others. And that, my friends, that is how you're going to have great joy in this life that continues into the next life. Live that big forgiveness. God grants it, God gives it, and it is yours. Thanks for hanging out with me with the book of Jonah. I hope you enjoyed it. Looking forward to bringing you more books of the Bible to learn about. Live that grace. God loves you. I'll talk to you again soon.